Welcome to our Pedini Disassertor, the best um, Gimel Tammuz, the transformation, the upgrading of the frequency of nature, changing the nature of nature. This is part two. So, again, the next question is the next piece in the puzzle of figuring out how it changed the nature of nature, why you would want to change the nature of nature. I think that one's a pretty big no-brainer for us. You know, the nature of nature doesn't seem to be too good these days. So might as well change it or need to change it. Or maybe the need for it to be changed, the fact that it's no good, is what pushes us to demand that it be changed because otherwise we might think that this is okay and it's it's not. So the Geula, we ended off in the first recording speaking about the Geula of the Rebbe Rayat, Sixth Lubavitch Rebbe, that it came in stages, and of course, and so the question is why. And and actually, the geula with Yahushua, each of these are geulas of Gimel Tammuz. The geula of Yahushua also came in stages. Um, it was embedded in nature, let's just say, because if there was a necessity to win a war as you're entering the land of Israel, um, there are lots of ways to do it. Uh, there was a time when we were fighting to conquer Eretz Yisrael and um, Hashem frightened the enemy. And they all ran away. That's so much easier than making the sun and the moon and the, and the stars stand still. It's just it's much more energy efficient. This, there was a very loud noise. This was, I forget which army and which nation. Suddenly there was a very loud noise in the middle of the night, I think, and the enemy became incredibly frightened, and they all ran away. And we were able to do what we needed to do. So much more elegant and efficient. So why make the sun stand still? And the point with the sun standing still by Yeshua is that then the Geula that came was that we still had to fight a war with with all the tactics of war. We had to do everything in the way of nature. So um, it was still in many stages, giving us more daylight hours and stopping the flow of nature to the way it was going was only the first step in the process. So that's the question. Why did there have to be a whole bunch of steps in the process? So um, <laughs> this miracle with Yahshua, making the sun stand still, still it says in Tanakh there was never a day before or after that, like that day. So um, the question that comes up when Yeshua, the leader of the generation, made the sun stand still, it, was it a detail? Was it just the sun? Was it the sun and the moon, the sun and the moon and the stars? Was it the whole nature that st- stood still? Was it a miracle that broke the laws of nature? Or was it a miracle, so to speak, within the laws of nature? There's a more complex way of of saying it here. Um, either um, either the sun the sun remains shining, and therefore um, and everything else stops. Right? Okay, we'll leave it at that. So the difference is two different. It um, the difference is these two different kinds of miracles, 
And an example of these two different kinds of miracles, for instance, Makas Dam, when in Mitzrayim, the water turned to blood. When the water turned to blood, it remained in the mohus of water. It turned to blood, but it was still water. Very subtle difference. This is some kind of a, uh, it's not just an existential difference. It's a, it's a dif- distance in, it's a quantum physics difference. The water that turned to blood in Mitzrayim, um, it remained water. And when the miracle of it becoming blood ended, then it just automatically was water again. So just picture that. It's really water. It turns to blood. But as soon as you let go, you know, <laughs> um, uh, you know, a, a yo-yo diet. Or, you know, you can only hold for so long and then you just go back to eating pizza and danishes. Because <laughs> it's a bad example. But, but the thing is what it is. And then, and you can sort of get it to be different for a while, and then when you let go, you take the pressure off, it just pops back to what it was. That's one way, and that's the way it seemed to be with the water turning to blood in the trend. Here we're talking about the sun standing still. It was a nace relative to the, the, the sun itself. So did, did everything stop temporarily? And then as soon as the miracle stopped, it all went back to normal. Or did it create a permanent change in the way the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all of nature work? There was another example of that. The hand of Miriam, she developed saras, leprosy. And her hands looked like snow, white as snow. And after the miracle, now normally a hand doesn't look leprous, Baruch Hashem. Hers did. And after this miracle, the the sarat on her hand became nature. It became her nat. She had now a new hand, a leprous hand. That was her new her new being, her new nature. And in order for her hand to become unleprous, another miracle had to be done. Because once her hand turned into a, lep- a hand with leprosy, that was her, that was her, she was now a person with leprosy. It would require a miracle to undo it. But you see the difference. One is, miraculously something happens, but as soon as you let go, it goes back to normal. The other one is, it's changed, and now it's permanently changed. And if you want to go, it to go back to the way it was, you need another miracle. You see the difference in the two. And that's crucial for everything we're going through now. We'll see in the coming few minutes in Mitzvah Shem. So here's a question in the Parsha, Parsha's Kairach. Here we have a stick. We know this stick represents something huge. There's just a dispute in the Parsha on the Kahuna of Kairach and his gang. Kairach said, why is why is Meishur Benu the leader of the generation? Why is Aaron Akayan the one, you know, the, the Kayan Gadol, etc.? Why? Why does Meishur Benu, why is he the leader? He's from Shevet Levi. I'm also from Shevet Levi. Who says it should be you? Maybe it should be me. 
Who appointed you? Are you self-appointed? Where does this come from? And really what he's saying is, I could have been, you could have been anybody from Shavit Lady. You just happened to be in the right place at the right time. That's what he was saying. The question, what needed to be proved, if it was true, is that the very nature of Meshur Benu is he is the leader in his very nature. It's not like whoever had been there at the time would have gotten the job. You know, somebody told us about somebody was in a very difficult situation. They actually had a onset of a stroke and thank God Hatsala came within seconds and he said he saw the way they work. That the policy, at least at that time, was who makes the decisions? A whole group is there in a very serious situation and they have life and life decisions to make at that moment. Which procedure to do, which hospital to go to, what what measures to take on the way to the hospital, many, many literally life-saving decisions, split-second decisions to make. Everybody has a different approach in this group. Who's the group? Whoever happened to be, by divine providence, the one to show up for the call at that moment. So a group of people are formed by divine providence. They come to save someone's life. So he said, it seemed then that the policy was Whoever shows up first, whoever shows up first, is the one who, whom everybody follows as the leader. For that incident, 20 minutes later, if they go to another, to save another life, whoever shows up first there is the leader. Now, that doesn't mean that that's the way it is in all Hatzalah groups, or that it's even the policy now. But that's the way it was then. Who's the leader? Whoever shows, whoever happens, so to speak, is sent by Hashem to show up first. Now, was that the question with Maishur Benu? You just happened to be born at the right moment, the right time, the right situation. Uh, you were born into the palace. You were in the basket when you were a baby, and so Basia saved you. And that's it. You're from Shavit Lady. I'm from Shavit Lady. I could be. I can be Maishur Benu too. You're nobody special. You just happen to be in the right place at the right time. Is that true? That's what Kairach would say. So Maishur Benu said, "Okay, I'll tell you what we'll do." Every every tribe, every shavit has a, a staff, a stick. And there are 12 of them. And everyone, we want, everyone from their shavit, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's not, maybe I'm not the leader. But every shavit will take its stick, its staff, and they'll write their name on it, the name of their, their shavit, on it. And the name, and also this is about Aaron, the, uh, this was, um, Challenging the kahuna of Aaron, and the name of Aaron will be written for Shavit Levi. And the one, the person whose stick, whose staff will be chosen, that stick, the dry stick, it will sprout. And that's what happens. I should be able to put all the staff, all the sticks, in the Ayom Ha'edas, left them there overnight, each one with the name of the Shavit. And in the morning, Maishur Benu came to the Isle of Adis, and there is this, all the sticks remain sticks, except for the one of Aaron. His was the one that sprouted. Because the question was also, who says Shavit Lady has to have the kahuna? Who says? 
prostate. Today, there's a genetic, every, there are genetic testing, and you can see that anybody from Shavit Lady has a certain gene that nobody else has. That's a good way to test who's a true client and who's not. So, but in those days, they didn't have that genetic testing. But the stick of, of David Levy, of Aaron, had these buds on it and flowers. So, my Shurbenu took them all out to show everybody that the Abishter that Hashem said, I choose Aaron. So, here's the question. This stick, Parachmata Aaron. The blossoming of this dry stick was a miracle to show that Hashem chose the kahuna of Aaron. Every other stick was remained a stick. Did we need that? All we needed, by the way, this stick had buds, flowers, fruits. It had the whole natural growth. Shaden was a matel shaked. It was an almond stick. Almonds normally grow very quickly, the fastest growing fruit, 21 days. So in 21 days, you have the full growth, the buds, the flowers, the, the fruits. This all grew with the buds and the flowers and the leaves and the fruits overnight. It would have been enough that all sticks remained sticks and some had almonds on them. That's it. It shows the difference between all the sticks and all the shvatim. So you just needed one little sign that distinguished one from the other. But, of course, the question is, and by the way, when the Aaron was hidden before the destruction of the base of Megdash, the stick of Aaron and its shkaden and its fruit and its flowers were still there fresh and are still there underground in Yerushalayim. Fresh. Fully operating. Clearly, whatever is activated and has been activated through this stick continues forever and ever. It's underground there hidden with fresh flowers, fresh buds, fresh fruit, fresh almonds. It's there. And it's clearly activating whatever it's sent to activate. We'll see in a few minutes. But the question is, you want to distinguish one tribe from the other, put a little spine. In the morning, they see there are a couple of almonds on the stick. That's it. You don't need all the flowers and all the buds and all the natural growth. You don't need all of that. And yet, there's a question. Why? Why did we have all of these details? Then the kudu is, the chiddush in this miracle is, a stick is dry. It does not sprout. Only Hashem can do such an ace, can do such a miracle. And yet, the miracle was achieved in the stick of Aaron, Mata Aaron. There wasn't, it wasn't only something that broke the laws of nature. Like, how do you put a stick in the aisle, Maya, and in the morning it has buds, it has um, fruits attached to it. Literally, really attached. That's a miracle. That broke the laws of nature. Dry sticks don't have. Almonds appear on them miraculously. Unless somebody glued them on, nobody went and glued them on. But really this miracle, because it had all of the, all of the steps of buds and flowers and fruits, it shows that the miracle was connected with the nature of the stick. And therefore it went through all of the natural steps. 
We're talking here about the transformation of nature from regular to miraculous. What was the miraculous part here? Two parts. A dry stick doesn't grow that stuff. That's miracle number one. It once did. It was an almond stick. So you can't say that it's, you know, it's a dry stick. But dry stick came from an almond branch means it came from an almond tree. Once upon a time, it gave life. Once upon a time, it gave birth. The question is, from a point of view of biology and and um, and quantum physics and all of that, when we think about it, when you think about eternal life and theosomatum, resurrection of the dead, in a sense, it's hardly even a miracle. And that's one of the things that science is working on. Birth is a miracle. There's no one. There's no such person. And then there's such a person. Where you're sitting right now, once upon a time, you, the you that you know, never existed. You came out of nothingness. That's quite miraculous. Priya Mason, resurrection of the dead, after 120, a person eventually gets down to, oh, not, not just skin and bones, not just losing weight, not just skin and bones, down to one bone. Okay, minus the skin, big deal. Called the loose bone. And triosomation means that bone will gain weight. Put a little fat on some of the, I think we need to put a little fat on that bone. A little fat kind of is, is put on the bone. Little, we need to put a little meat on your bone. So we'll have a little meat put on our bone, which is the loose bone. And everyone will gain a little weight, fill out a little bit, start to breathe, start to talk, start to think, and be back to functioning. But did they ever go away? They went down to small size, skin and bones, and in a dormant state. But they never ceased to exist. That, so why would Chiesa Mason be a miracle? In a way, it's not much of a miracle. It's way more less, it's way less of a miracle than being born because there was no you. There was, there was no cell that was you that was hanging around somewhere. There was one, one, one cell in that person and another cell in that person. And for those two cells to get together takes moving heaven and earth. That's the miracle. But you did not ever exist as before you were conceived as one cell. You were just in a thought in potential, so to speak. You were just in the Shama fully without a body. So why am I saying this? So this same thing. You're talking an almond branch. Once, at a, once upon a time, it was filled out, producing foliage. It was moist, and it was doing stuff. So it went back to that. That night when it was cooking, so to speak, in the oil mayas, it went back to that and came back out showing, this is what I've always been. This stick of iron, of kind, this stick of shaved lady. Its nature is. The question was, whose nature is the kahuna? Does the kahuna belong to? The very nature of shaved lady is kahuna. It's embedded in the very nature. And so um, it showed that Hashem chose and chooses Aaron Akayan 
that in a way that it is his nature. Now, by the way, we were saying two miraculous pieces in this puzzle. One is that the less of a miracle that the dry stick started to sprout and be active and lively again. The other miracle is that it normally takes 21 days for the growth from bud budding to producing almonds takes 21 days. This happened overnight. So meaning the natural process was sped up drastically from 21 days to overnight. Now, think about this. One of the things that everybody complains about these days is that time seems to have sped up. And, you know, before you know it, the day is over. Before you know it, the week is over. It's Shabbos again. It's, it's, it's the summer. It's the winter. It's the summer. It's the winter. Time is moving very, very quickly. Yes. There we go. Gimel Tammuz. What is this nature of Gimel Tammuz? Remember that the Parsha, Parsha's Kaira, connected with Gimel Tammuz. It's bringing into the world this reality that nature becomes supercharged. Nature goes on steroids. Nature remains, as the Ramam says, the world will continue in its regular way, but it will be upgraded to going on steroids, so to speak. That, I mean, we don't want to use that word, but it becomes upgraded to going very, 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 very quickly. Exponential growth. We know that. If there were two hexabytes of information brought into the world in the first 2,000 years, and it took 2,000 years for two hexabytes, but then after that it took one, he- one 10 years for a whole other hexabyte to come into the world. And soon it'll take five minutes for a whole other hexabyte to come into the world. That's called exponential growth. Everybody will agree that we live in a generation of exponential growth. It's not just one, two, three, four, but it's like, but it's, you know, from one to a million, and then from a million to a trillion, it just goes like that. Exponential growth. So you go to sleep in the morning, there was one flower in the pond, and you wake up and the entire pond has been filled with with flowers, with lilies. It was one lily. But as you slept, the lily divided, multiplied, became two, but the two became four. They each just multiplied. They each just divided. The two became four. Four became eight. The eight became 16. The 16 became three. And it just, in all the hours, so you wake up in the morning and the whole pond is filled from, the whole surface of the pond is filled with, with water lilies. That's called exponential growth. Oh, my goodness, it must have been so much work to go around and make one lily after another. No, each lily pot, each flower lily created one up, just doubled itself. That's it. So that's the nature. So from Gimel Tamas and Parshas Kaira, we're talking about the nature of nature being upgraded besides every, to bleak bull. How are we saying bleak bull? The, the Rebbe speaks in the summer stichas about, about the idea of nachmu, nachmu, ame, double. Double goes on geula. Double words, lech lecha, uh, nachmu, nachmu, lamarbe, lamisra, pakad, pakadati. These double words go on geula. Double doesn't just mean two. 
It means exponential growth, as we just said. Something divides into two, and then that divides into two, and that into two. Double, 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 double creates exponential growth. Exponential is legal without limitations. It just goes without limitations. Versus the old nature, which is very limited. Nature was designed to be very limited. Right now I'm looking at, um, I forget the name of these flowers, chrysanthemums, I forget. Honeysuckle. I'm looking at honeysuckle. They're, now how do I know they're honeysuckle? Oh, I ident- identify them by their yellow leaves, well green leaves, but yellow, yellow and white flowers with, what are they called? Pistols, um, protruding. A lot of them. And my neighbor told me that there's a piece that if you pull it out and you taste the end of it, it tastes like honey. That's why it's called honeysuckle, which is why the bees go to it. So, how do I know? Because nature was created with a limitation. I look at this and I say, oh, yeah, flower. How do I know this is a flower? There were rules to nature. It's not just wild, random insanity. There are rules to nature. And yet, we come to a point where where all of that is, breaks down. <clears throat> That's one of the reasons why we see wild, random insanity in the world. Because we're in a time of bleak vol. Bleak vol, in, infinite, is being grabbed by the unholy forces too, and they're also using that kayak in the meantime to create wild, random insanity. But holy bleak vol doesn't mean wild, random insanity. It means infinite, beyond the limitations. There's a point at which limitations are good. I'm I, I'm not afraid that this honeysuckle is going to jump up and bite me. Thank God. That's why I'm willing to sit quite close to it. It's not going to roar at me like a lion or bite me or something like that. That would be quite scary. There are rules to nature. I'm glad there are rules to nature. and And that's good. And yet, when the rules of nature start to hold us back from going to Geula because we're so stuck, and everything is so stuck in that you can't unlock the Geula that's embedded in Gullus, we'll just never get there. Then Hashem unlocks, says, let's take that limitation of just strict rules of nature. Let's just take it off a little bit. So we can do Ufarasta. We can break out of the limitations of where nature will not allow us to get to the Geula. So let's go back to the question about, again, the change of nature, the transformation of the nature of nature. As we said, just to sum up, the the necessity for all of the natural steps of this stick of iron to happen, rather than just a little sign that it, it distinguishes it, the, the necessity is to show that the whole process of nature happens, but... Um, it's on speed, you know, it's on, on super speed. And we see that, in a sense, if we're thinking of the first Gimel Tamas through Yahushua, upgrades the nature of nature, the second Gimel Tamas, the previous Rebbe, 1927, first one was 2488, then the year 1927, um, 
the previous Rebbe, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rayas, his, his Geula, that Gimel Tamuz, life was saved, which means the whole learning and proliferating of Taira and, and Taninisa Taira out into the whole world to the furthest extremes emanates from that moment. The ability of Ufarasta, of Taira in its purest sense to break out into the world and transform the world, including transforming the nature of nature, that's also Gimel Tamuz. That was Gimel Tamuz, so to speak, number two, the one that's significant for us. And that Geula also came in stages. Just like uh, that Geula, just like the, the, the buds of, on the stick of Aaron, it comes in stages. A bud, and then a flower, a leaf, and a flower, and a fruit going in stages. The third Gimel Tammuz, which is the Gimel Tammuz, the year 1994, Tafshin Nundalit. So that Gimel Tammuz also is from that moment on, you're talking about 1994, we see how much the world and nature of the world has become exponentially faster. You could say that the real changes in the world started in the early 90s, after 1988. Boom, 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 the real exponential changes and exponential growth in the nature of the world, in science, in, in all of that, you see from that moment on. So it's like we see what the truth is, but it goes very, very quickly. Nature goes very quickly. Okay. So why? And here's the answer. Here's a piece of the answer. Chazal says, Whatever Hashem created in the world, He created for nothing other than His own covet. What does that mean? For His glory. Every single, it means that every single thing in the world even though the world is a place of concealment. Eilam, from the word Helen, from Helen the Hester, is called Eilam, the world. Everything in the world was created to reveal the glory of Hashem. That's why it's there. And that is achieved through the Avaida, that you use the things of the world to reveal the glory of Hashem. And the reason and the necessity for this is, in the words of the Mishnah, Kol whatever Hashem created, Hashem told us in his holy Torah, Barakadish Barhu, that he created everything. He created it, and then he told us about and he told us about it. And he told us that he created it in such a way that he takes, so to speak, his kaichas and his time, so to speak. What is his time? The six days of creation and his kaichas to create every single creation with a specific kayach. The Kayach of Shishavat Yeshmeayim. The Kayach of taking nothing and making it into something. Like us, we were once nothing, now we're something. That happens, Dapto, with the Kayach of Asma, Hashem's very essence. And according to what the Baal Shem Tov said, the existence of the world is renewed every single moment. From nothing to something. There's no world, now there's a world. There's no world, now there's a world. There's no world. There's, wherever you see a world at any moment, a second, a moment before there was nothing. The world that you see, it's not a continuum. It's a series of boxes rather than a flow. It's a flow of, it looks like a flow of boxes. But every second before there's a world, there's nothing. So empty full. Empty soul. 
empty full. And the proof, this is the proof that um, Hashem, why would Hashem do that? Just take the world, do it one time, it lasts for 6,000 years. Why every single moment? Because Hashem wants us to be in that process. He doesn't want to do it himself and we appear and say, what do you cook up here, Hashem? All right, what do you want me to do with it? All right, just, you know, send me a text message when you're ready, finishing the world. And um, you can send it on WhatsApp when you're finished creating the world. Um, and just like, send write to, just write what you want me to do, how you want me to live, and what you want me to do with this world that you created. Just let me know when it's done. i got stuff to do. I'm checking my email over here. And when you finish creating the world, Hashem, let me know. And tell me if, when you have a job for me, just give me, send me the details. No need for a conversation, as we hear in modern day life. No need for a conversation. Just send me a text message and let me know what you want. I don't know what I want unless we talk about it. Uh, sorry, I don't talk. I don't talk. <laughs> yeah, I'll never know what I want. Okay, sorry. Little, little cold comment there. So the fact that Hashem, Hashem does not do it that way. He doesn't send us a text saying, I'm going to be creating the world. It'll, you know, when I'm done, I'll let you know what I want you to do. Nope. He says, hey, guys, let's chat. Let's chat. Let's talk. Oh, no, I don't talk. I don't do talking. I only text. No, I don't want to text, says Hashem. I want to talk. Oh, yeah, sorry. I don't do talking. I only text. Send me a WhatsApp. Send me an audio WhatsApp. No, I want to chat, says Hashem. Okay, what, what, what? How much time? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? How much time? That's kind of the way we are. Um, Hashem says, should we create a world? I said, well, should we create a world? Because Hashem came to the, the neshamas of Tadikim, Nimlech Nishmatayim, and Shammah of Tadikim and said, the world would be just this and this, very concealed, you won't see me, be definitely a place of struggle. What do you say? Do it or don't do it. And I guess we thought about it, the Nishamas of Tadikim, but the Rebbe says that's us, and said, yeah, yeah, let's, let, let's go for it. So we were partners in choosing that there should be a world. So that every single second when the world is created again, we are partners in saying, let's do it again. Just send me a text message and tell me what you want. I will know when the sheriff came when text messaging stopped working. And you can actually talk to people again. But everybody has their view of what Mashiach will bring. People have conversations when Mashiach comes. So, um, so why does Hashem create the world every single second? He wants that the creation should have a connection with the Kayach of the Creator. He's the creator. He wants us to be involved so that we should, so to speak, be able to add in revealing the glory of Hashem. So we need to be partners in creation every single second. Brand new world. Every That means if Hashem once asked us, should we create a world, and we had to agree, otherwise I guess he wouldn't have done it. And now add to the mix the fact that Hashem is saying, um, this is not a one-time thing. I'm going to actually be creating the world every single second, forever. So, I'm sorry to put a hipster voice on Hashem. Please, Hashem, forgive me. So, I'm going to be creating the world every single second, forever. Which means, I guess, that if the first time Hashem did it, he consulted with us before he did it, I guess he does every single time. 
Like, wow, well, that, that could be kind of overwhelming or exciting. It is possible. But that means that every single second when Hashem recreates the world, he's asking us, so what do you think? You see, in a sense, that Hashem is asking for input about what the world should look like a second from now. So what do you think? Should we do it? Although he is Hashem and we are not. But he comes to us and says, well, what do you think? Very interesting. So are we victims? Or are we co-creators? Good question. But so here the Sikh is saying, why does Hashem create the world at every second? So that we should be partners in this creation. Because here's the question. Again, why didn't Hashem create the world um, in a way that we don't know that it came from Hashem? And we don't know about it. So we don't know about, um, let's say it in Yiddish, why did the Abish create the world as Why didn't Hashem create the world in a way that we don't know that he created it, the mushal, supposedly? Why didn't it, was it in a way that we didn't know that Barakadish Barhu? And imagine if we didn't know how Hashem created it. Imagine that we didn't know that he created it with the Asar Mamars, with the ten, ten things. Imagine if we didn't. So, and imagine, these are all imagines, it's not true, but imagine that he put his Kayach of Atmos and his Asaramimaras into the creation and even more. Here's another question. Why didn't Hashem create the world one time? One big bang and the world would remain standing for 6,000 years and not have to be recreated every single second. Why didn't he? The fact is he didn't, but why not? And the answer is okay. So here's the question. Here's the question. Going back to it, and we're going to look at a droplet of water and see how the answer is contained in the sense of a, in a droplet of water. Why would Hashem create the world at every single second? And the answer is, Hashem, it, it entered Hashem's desire, so to speak, that every single creation should feel that it achieves, or through it is achieved, a chiddush, an addition, or a chiddush in the world. We were, he, Hashem wants us to feel that we are adding our new peace to the world every single minute. And that makes it that every creation has a true and complete pleasure and joy. Because the nature of a creation is that a person would rather have one of his own than nine measures, one measure of his own that he earned that it, versus nine measures that someone gave him or that belongs to someone else. You'd rather have one of your own than nine of someone else's. So that on some level, I don't know, so what, what does that have to do with rental properties or shared or going on vacation? It's interesting because sometimes you feel like, uh, you know, I don't want to go away to my summer home I want because there's so many strings attached. I'd rather just go to a place where I rent it. I walk in, somebody else cleans it. I walk out. I have a, you know, so what's that about? I'm not sure. But the nature of it is that you like to earn by definition what is yours. 
You know, I earned it with my hard work. It's mine and somebody else's, etc. Well, I'd rather have one of mine than nine of theirs. That's that's what it says in um there's actually well in pla- different places in Torah and there's a letter of Yudal Smith in Tufshin Lamed Days where the Rebbe is speaking about that. So that means that um you fulfill what Hashem tells you to do, and then you go beyond that. So to speak, you achieve from yourself, you create an addition, something that didn't exist before you do it. And that is a true accomplishment. When you're connected with Hashem, and you bring something brand new to the world, to the creation, you are revealing the glory of Hashem. And because this, Hashem put his kayach of creation into the world in such a way that he recreates it every second. Because what does that do? This constant split-second creation, it creates, it, cre- it connects every creation and every minute with Hashem. That it, so that in every single detail and every single moment, the creation has the kayak to reveal the covet of Hashem. Brand new. All over again. To reveal the Dvar Hashem that is in it at that moment. Um, and, and at that moment it, it came to life. So I guess perhaps the Dvar Hashem animates something at that moment so that it comes to life. Uh, it's a complex topic beyond the level of my uh, expertise. But every single moment, another and another and another. So um, just going back to the question of wh- of why why is Hashem creating the world at every second? He put his kayak of creation into the world in a way that he, he, every single second, he creates it. And what he does with that is he connects every single creation, that means you and me, every single second the world is being born. Wow, oh, there's a world. Oh, there's a world. Oh, there's a world. Every single second. Newborn world. And what that does is every single second, newborn world, that, cre- that connects every creation at every moment with Hashem. So that in every detail and every moment, the creation has the kayak to reveal the glory of Hashem, brand new. Meaning, you look at the world, you feel that it's just being created at this moment. It's just being built at this moment. Other people may feel, yes, old, what else is new, been there, done that, it's an old world. No, 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 the world you see is not the world I see. I see a brand new world. Brand new world. Okay, and so um, you see the builder building the world. They don't. Your job is is to enable them to see the builder building the world in real time, just like you do, or better than you do. It's called revealing the Dvar Hashem that in that moment gives life to the world brand new. Your job is to bring every single person to see, literally see the builder building the world in real time as it's being built and born, born at that second. 
Because if the world if the world were created in such a way with the Kayak of Hashem, with such a strong Kayak that just lasts forever, then what would happen? Then the revelation, seeing the glory of Hashem, would be in a very general way, a one-time thing. But, because every single second, every creation is created from the start, we reveal every single moment the glory of Hashem. For instance, you drink water. You drink one little bit of water. You make a bracha. What are you saying? That everything comes from the word of Hashem. He's the builder at that moment. The word of Hashem is the building force of the world at that moment. And when you do it, when you say you reveal the chiddush and the addition that you create in the world that this water creates. Because without the water, you don't say the bracha. You don't say the bracha, you don't reveal the glory of Hashem. So you need to say to reveal the glory of Hashem that's happening, that's building the world at that second. And in order to say you have to drink the water. So when you drink the water and make a bracha later also, um, it reveals the word of Hashem, the brand new word of Hashem, that is animating, building this brand new world. And the same thing through a specific bracha like Bari Priya Gafen, etc. You reveal the Dvar Hashem in the grapes and in the grape juice and in the wine, etc. And to bring this all to a conclusion. So, just as it is about revealing the glory of Hashem in the whole world, in nature, because that's what we're talking about, nature, so too about miracles. The full kavana in most of the miracles is that the miracle should not remain something higher than the laws of nature. You know, there's the natural world and then there's this miracle and it's outside of the realm of nature. That's not what it's supposed to say. But it has to permeate nature and change the nature of nature. That's what a miracle is for. Not just, I can break the laws of nature. Oh, whoopee-doo. So what do you accomplish? You broke the laws of nature. Until we get back to ourselves. What do you accomplish? Don't break the laws of nature. Upgrade them so that we can all have, you know, that gullus is the laws of nature. Hey, Hashem, you got an issue. Because the way you created the world with the laws of nature, no one can see you. And then you're promising us that the laws of nature will be that in Mashiach times, everyone will see you in every second. How are you going to transition from that to that? Good luck. How about Hashem, if you upgrade the nature of nature, the laws of nature? Let these laws that you created just stop hiding you. If you want Mashiach to come, which means we will see you all the time, you got to make some major changes in the laws of nature, Hashem, because you made a decision that you're going to be hidden in the world. No one will see you. It's going to take tremendous effort to see you. Well, then, you ain't going nowhere. It's just not going to work unless you transform the laws of nature, upgrade them, 
constantly in stages. Remember we asked, why does the gula have to be in stages? Because the laws of nature have to be upgraded a little bit and then another little bit and another little bit. Keep upgrading the frequency. You can't have it in one shot. You know, now you don't see Hashem, now you do see Hashem. Overnight, Mashiach came. The guy wakes up. He looks at his blankets. Everything's revealing Hashem. He looks at his pillow. He looks at his blankets. He's terrified. The presence of Hashem is so over, overwhelming, he goes back to sleep. So it's got to come in stages so we get used to it. When I was in first grade and I looked at my brother's fourth grade reader, I thought, oh boy, I will never be able to read that many small words on one page. That's really scary. But I got there. I don't know how. It happened in increments. And now I can read that many words on the page as they have in a fourth grade reader. Thank God. So it has to come in stages. So, now we understand that the template for this is Gimel Tammuz, and the template for this is the stick of Aaron that blossomed. This miracle, this nace, which came along to reveal that the kahuna is the nature of Aaron Akayan. I have chosen Aaron Akayan. It's his very nature. It's not a random thing. He just happened to be in the right time at the right place. It's his nature. The nature of the almond branch is to have flowers and buds, buds and flowers and almonds. The nature of Aaron is to be, to have kahuna. So this, this miracle was, um, was, a, was, was embedded into this stick of Aaron. And it remained um, connected with the nature of the stick. Stick is something that always grew foliage and almonds, and it always will. Sometimes it's dormant. But its nature is, even if it's dormant, temporarily dormant. Like all the Jewish people who have left the world, they're temporarily dormant. They'll wake up soon, gain a little weight, and get to work. So that the, but, and when it came to the stick of iron, the way that it blossomed was in a natural way. Buds, leaves, flowers, fruit. The whole state of his house And to pull this all together, in the words of Chastidus, what does it have to do with Kahuna? What is Kahuna about? It brings down a Kaya from above the laws of nature, from above Seder's southward. And it, it has to do with speed, quick, exponential speed. And that's why, right, speed. That uh, We'll see in a second. Speed is, why do you go for Birchus Kainin, to hear Birchus Kainin and Shul? There's a bracha for you up there. And the bracha as it's coming down, you're being blessed with a bracha of great wealth. Financial wealth, let's say. The, the thing is, when the bracha starts to come down from higher world to lower, 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 it has to keep stopping. And at every hechal, there's a judgment. 
Do you deserve, do you not? Is it going to work for you? Is it, or is it going to fit your life or not? By the time it finally gets down here, you have a, one drip drop of what was left sometimes. Because it's dropped so many times with so many judgments and so many border crossings and border checkings that by the, t- what was left by the time it got to you. Birchus Kainin is that this Shefa that comes from above comes down quickly without any stops. Do not stop, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Do not stop. No stops, no border checks, just go all the way down the speed elevator. And nothing stops it and nothing stops the judges. That's Birchus Kainin. Quickly. Birchus Kainim is, is connected with something very quick and very giant, a giant bracha that comes down very quickly and bypasses. It just goes right through the laws of nature, just zoom, the elevator from the 120th floor down to the ground floor in 15 seconds. They have that in the UN. I went and touched it. That's it was really quick. It was really quick. Just zoom, and you're down. So this hamshaka very quickly is from higher. How do how does something go so quickly through the world? It comes from above Seder Hishtashlus, and yet it comes through all the world. And that was the miracle of Parach Mata Aaron, the stick of Aaron. Together with this, that it is a nace, it's a miracle, and it came down very quickly. And yet. It's connected with the nature. It went through all the steps of nature of, we saw it, in the blossoming of all the fruits. And so, to sum it up, um, when Hashem chose kahuna for Aaron, why through shkagen, through almonds? Because they are fruits that grow very quickly in 21 days. And this 21 days actually didn't happen in 21 days. That's the natural way. The miraculous way is it happened overnight. Because Zrizus and Steve shows a Hamshacha from above Seder Hishtashlis. So, so on this um, point we'll conclude. And to sum it all up, in a sense we're saying... Again, Gimel Tamos, Parshas Kairach, the Stick of Aaron, these are all templates for the transformation of the nature of nature, as we said, and both in time and in space. That in time, we have the day of Gimel Tamos, once upon a time at the beginning of our entrance into the land of Israel. That's the beginning of the whole process. And now we're at the end of the whole process. As we're fully, we were just walking in the door then in the year 2488. And then fast forward to the year 5687, 1927. Coming to the end of the whole process of now, not just walking in the, into the door of Eretz Yisrael, but really settling it and taking it over as ours and from that place, that center, Making the whole world into the land of Israel. That's the end of the, that's the end of the journey. It began then, and it ends then. And so, Gimel Tammuz begins it, and Gimel Tammuz takes it to the next level. Going from, we go into the land of Israel, to the land of the Israel expands to fill the entire world. And each time, it's activated. But, and, uh, sorry, and what is the land of Israel? A place where you take all of the holiness of Tyra and you pr- bring it down into the laws of nature. 
where you do regular life. Permeate holiness into the laws of nature in a regular place, a land, a physical place. That is the summation of our whole Avaita. So, when we're, as we said, when we're beginning the process, we're going to start it with a bang. We have to put a, 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 an unbelievable, we have to bust open the laws of nature and upgrade their frequency right at that moment as we're walking in the door. And then as we're coming to the end of the whole journey, 3,000 and some years later, again, it comes through, we, we, we upgrade nature. And it all seems to come through the day of Gimel Tamos. Because Gimel Tamos had installed in it that ability to upgrade nature and upgrade it again and upgrade it again from concealing Hashem to revealing Hashem. So we have those three Gimel Tamoses. The last Gimel Tamos ushering in the time in which, when Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel, starts to expand to be, be the, still the entire world. So that's as the upgrade is in, embedded in time. And as the upgrade is embedded in space, we have the stick of iron, the staff of iron. But in a physical stick, a physical staff, a dry stick, part of nature, which is limited to the laws, the limitations of nature. Gvul has limitations. The legal, the unlimitedness of miracles is embedded in that very stick. Is embedded in, the, in that very dry stick. So that again, you're unlocking the potential of nature to, and you're upgrading it through that, through that stick. And that stick is sitting in Yerushalayim underground, activating not just Yerushalayim, the whole land of Israel, which is expanding to fill the whole world. That stick is sitting under there in the earthiness of the world, activating the ability of the entire world to be miraculous so that the laws of nature are upgraded so that there's exponential growth and exponential possibilities. Miraculous exponential speed possibility in every single part of the natural world today. So these are all some of the realities that are ushered in through Gimel Thomas, through Parshat Karaf, through this stick, through this time, through this place, through this situation. And, uh, and as the Rebbe says in the last Sikha, Paratsa, 770, Paratsa, breaking through the limitations, the seven Midas, and times 10 and times 100 is 770, Paratsa, break through all the limitations of nature and spread out the truth of the wellsprings of Torah to the entire world and break through every single constriction of nature. So may we find ourselves before Gimel Tamos in this Tarasta situation, break through it all, and find ourselves in the base of the Shlishi and the Gulamitis Hashlim immediately now.